So the ECB raises rates as expected and markets seem to be accepting that more central bank tightening will be happening. Data is not showing inflation is contained, nor is the banking crisis. The PacWest bank call looks like they're looking for a buyer. There are questions about how many other banks are left unprotected from falling bond prices. And on jobs, non-farm payrolls tonight, but data yesterday is showing productivity is falling in the US whilst wages are rising. That's not what the Fed wants to see. It's Friday the 5th of May 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Uh, yes, it's definitely Friday, by the way. I think yesterday I said it was Wednesday. I'm easily confused, but it, it's uh, it's easy to be confused at times like these, and uh, no more so than today, because we've got European bonds moving down after the ECB, even on expectation that they were going to lift rates more. Uh, Ten-year bonds are down six basis points this morning. Two years are down 16 basis points, whereas Treasuries have moved up ever so slightly. Ten years up three basis points. Aussie ten years down 10 basis points yesterday and down another three on futures since then, down to 32 Equity is not looking good. Down for the fourth day in a row in the United States. The Dow down 0.9%, half percent off the S&P 500 and 0.4% off the Nasdaq in Europe. Uh, it's half percent down for the Euro stocks 50 and the DAX, 1.1% off the FTSE 100 at close. Banking stocks are a chunk of that move down in the United States, as we'll discuss this morning, because a lot of uncertainty about that. A small move up in the US dollar with a 0.4% drop in the Euro, a 0.4% rise for the Japanese yen. The Aussie is up 0.4%. 3% this morning, not far off 67 US cents now. Uh, and oil, well, no big moves down, but not bouncing back either. Brent still around 72.40, WTI still well below 70. So what's happening? Well, is it just the growing realisation that we have to go further just about everywhere? Here's NAB's David DeGarris. So for, for whatever reason, Dave, I mean, monetary policy isn't biting hard enough, though the markets seem a little worried about that, but also worried about banking stability. And I guess the two go hand in hand, don't they? Because the more central banks have to go, mm. the more that stability question around banks comes to the fore, doesn't it? Indeed, Phil. And that's, that's one of the unfortunate effects of monetary policy, isn't it? That it, it, it puts the squeeze on uh, borrowers and you know, prospective borrowers and the economy. And that's what it's designed to do, to slow economies down and these things don't often happen in linear ways do they so it's been a day when we've had central banks increasing yeah. rates we've had already had this week the reserve bank we've had the fed and now today we've had the Norges bank increase by another quarter of a percent and the ecb increased by a quarter of a percent and yet as you were saying yeah. there in the introduction bonds have generally been rallying so we're getting to that later stage in the cycle aren't we and this banking news particularly out of the u.s has been none too comforting well, it hasn't. So, uh, uh, PacWest Bancor is, uh, you know, reportedly looking for a sale. Well, they would, wouldn't they? I mean, I mean, if you look at and what a bargain that's going to be because the share price down another forty-five percent today. So it's down to three dollars fifty, which is one eighth of the value of two months ago. It's quite staggering. And then uh, Bloomberg and quite a, a few other uh, press uh, outlets pointing to a report, which actually dates back to March, suggesting that the, the, the mark-to-market losses and, you know, the uninsured depositor runs, as we see, the, you know, the, the, the lower-value uh, bonds could put 186 banks at risk. So, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, a week or two ago when we were talking about, you know, perhaps the stability in the banking sector, maybe it's all over. That might have been a little bit premature. Indeed. So that's been the nemesis of this problem, hasn't it? The the, um, uh, mm. the exit of deposits, you know, that uninsured deposits, you know, into in, into the, uh, the, the larger banks. And of course, in this day and age, uh, you don't need to 
turn up to a branch, you can do that all on your phone. I think that's what surprised everybody, hasn't it? The speed at which this has happened because of uh, the fact we've all got our mobile apps and we can do it all. Uh, but anyway, I mean, that was, I mean, certainly it was a, a concern for central banks as well. So did Christine, what did Christine Lagarde have to say about all of this? And so we saw that 25 basis point rise from the ECB. Uh, more ground to cover was her words. Uh, so, so this isn't the last one. Maybe the pace might slow down a little bit. But I mean, did she have anything to say about this, this issue about, what it's doing to banks, and I guess also the credit squeeze that's the result of all of that as well. Well, she did, she did, uh, she did talk about those things you mentioned, like um, later in the press conference said, well, we're not pausing, you know, we've got further ground cover, but here we have short-term yields lower when um, the ECB was expected to hike. They did hike. Okay, the market was maybe fractionally priced towards 50 rather than 25, but those sorts of comments are quite... Um, hawkish still and yet when you look at the formal statement Phil um, she sort of played to this worries about banks in a sense by saying that the past rate increases have been transmitted forcefully to euro area financing and monetary conditions so this is really playing to the idea that uh, credit conditions are getting tougher out there and we certainly have seen that in um, bank lending survey in Europe we've seen it in the U.S. Senior Loan Officers Survey, and we're going to get another update on that on Monday, and I think that'll probably be mm. one of one of the key releases next week. But um, so, what she's saying then, because she's saying on the one side we've got to do more, but on the other side, this is happening, which would mean that they have to do less. Which, which way in, is in, it? Indeed. So uh, these don't, things don't always happen in in, in in a nice, neat way, do they? So um, you know, at, at one stage you've got lagging indicators such as inflation still too high for central banks and central banks indicating that they're not easing anytime soon and power was like that yesterday and yet the market's got what three quarters to one percent lower rates by the end of this year so they're going to struggle to hold that that tide back Um, and uh, you know that they think that you know wage costs are still rising too quickly, concerned about inflation. And they, they, I'm sure ringing in their ears is we don't want to fall into the trap of easing too soon. But let's see how this banking sector issue plays out and whether that forces their hand. And uh, that's one of the reasons, I think, why the market's got rate cuts priced in within two to three meetings time. So it's not like it's a year to 18 months away. Well, I mean, today, uh, I mean, German 10-year bonds rose, uh, then they fell away again fairly sharply. So just after the uh, uh, after the announcement, they rose, but then fell. Two-year bond yields uh, down 10 basis points since the announcement, down 16 on the day. So that, that shows there's, uh, you know, more concern about banks and... Uh, or recession or all the, you know, all the other consequences rather than expectations of those rises, doesn't it? Yes, and of course, we've not only got the, the increase in interest rates from the ECB, we had a change in quantitative tightening to beef that up from, what is it, 15 to about $25 billion right. per, per month. Uh, we've got the repayments of the Teltros, you know, the long-term bank funding. Um, so there's quite a bit of tightening going on, and we've already seen... Uh, credit credit standards tighten up quite a lot through the banking system. So it's hard to imagine how in the US that that won't happen further, given the news that we've been hearing as recently as today, Phil, that uh, banks are going to be pretty cautious from here on in. 
Yeah, they will indeed. Now, the services PMIs uh, were out before the ECB decision. These are the final reads, but they have been revised Mm. quite a bit. They've been revised in all sorts of directions. So revised up for Italy, the UK and Germany, down for France, Spain and the euro area generally. But all well over 50, so the uh, the service sector is still expanding. Indeed. Um, and resilience of, of the UK, a surprise upside for mortgage approvals yesterday, even though mortgage lending itself has plateaued. Uh, here's the thing, with all the talk of credit tightening, the Bank of England says consumer credit in March rose from £1.5 billion in February to £1.6 billion. Uh, you know, it's it's not a great deal, but it's uh, but it's a it's a move up, isn't it? Which we're, we're yes. told that conditions are tightening. Not yet. Maybe that's going to change. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But you know, as you said, I, I noticed that mortgage approvals what fifty thousand in the month, which was a lot higher than expected as well. So whether this mm. is just the payback after the trust courting uh, episode late last year, um, but we do know that the UK. Uh, services PMI is up to 54.9. I think like we've seen with the European services PMI was what, 56.2. It's not that far below where China's reopening services PMI has been running the past couple of months, 56 to 58 type region. So here we have, we're talking about banking issues in the US. We have the ECB um, president talking about the forceful transmission of monetary policy into um, monetary and financial conditions in Europe and yet the services industry has got another run on so this is a nod to um, the tilt towards services expenditure by consumers but also the release from lower energy prices now we don't know what's going to happen during the next northern winter do we but for the time being those wholesale energy prices continue to head lower so that's got to be of some comfort to um, to to the economies uh, on this side, which have been struggling, what's struggling last year particularly. So is it savings? I mean, we haven't got rid of our savings yet. Are we all still dipping into those savings that we built up so we can still afford to? I mean, that's the, I mean, you know, when we run out of money, maybe things will start to even out a little <laughs> bit. Is that a chunk of the problem, do you think? That, that's certainly part of it. I think uh, definitely the savings that were built up. Of course, we don't know, know exactly yeah. where, 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 where those savings lie and who's doing the spending. But, um, yeah, it is, it is remarkable given, you know, what's happened in the UK, for example, it's gotten through. And, and until recently, even though we've had these high services PMIs in Europe, uh, most analysts have had penciled in that the Euro- Eurozone economy would struggle to grow through the first half of this year. So thinking about now, what are their new forecasts going to be like? You know, sort of like moderate to, you know, a slightly upbeat growth or is it, that the uh, European Central Bank and bank tightening is going to slow everything down again. So, um, yeah, it's all happening, as they say. It is in all directions. That's the problem. But, I mean, there is a sign of a European slowdown if you look at the German trade data. So the balance of trade might have picked up, but only because exports didn't fall as much as imports. So imports were down 6.4%. Exports were Mm. down 5.2%. This is quite a turnaround from February when both exports and imports were growing at about 4% or more. So, I mean, yeah, that's those, num- those numbers can bounce around a lot from month to month, can't they? You know? Yeah. Well, there's a big bounce, though. Well, I guess, yeah, to your point, let's wait a month or two and see what they, uh, <laughs> Indeed. See what they Indeed. really tell us. So, similarly, Canada also seeing imports and exports down in March, but not to the same extent. And in, in the US, imports down, exports up. So, a bit, uh, a bit for everyone. But, hey, Australia's balance of trade 
were unique. Exports and imports both up. Uh, the trade surplus for March, $15.3 billion, which is actually the highest since last June. So, OK, they might bounce around a bit, but, let, you know, an extraordinary month. It, it is. It's a big number. I think it's the second largest on record, isn't it? And so it's suggesting that, um, you know, the, the current account's going to remain in, in surplus. So thank you to the uh, the high terms of trade, Phil, and iron ore exports up another, what was it, 11%, I think, in the month, um, and of course, that was when iron ore prices were 115 to $130 a ton. Um, they've since pulled back from there to, what, 95 to $100 a ton. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, the Treasury, uh, Australian Treasury and the, the Treasurer put in the budget papers for next week with their iron ore uh, price forecast. But of course, they've been enjoying the additional company tax revenue thanks to strong volumes and particularly high prices. Good time for a change of government, isn't it? They can say, look what we've done <laughs> almost straight away. Uh, um, but what about the RBA? How does that, how did they, I mean, did they look at these and think, uh, well, you know, those export numbers, that they're not too bad, so we can cope with uh, some more rate rises and, you know, and look at how much we're importing so we can afford to buy a little less. So does that... Maybe, say, well, I, this- think, I think there's one little element in that, trade report that might help on the inflation front and that is the declining cost of freight so freight costs as a percentage mm. of imports pointed out by um, by Taylor in his report on that those trade figures yesterday have risen something like um, 6% of imports up they peaked at about 19% you know when uh, container costs were sky high oil was very high now back to about 7% so that's already started to have an effect on goods deflation in Australia. There's probably more of that to come. So that was the good aspect of, uh, of that report, Phil. Well, we'll take that. Uh, so payrolls tonight, Indeed. will they ease back in the United States or not? Well, the initial jobless claims uh, picked up a little last week, according to the numbers out last night, but continuing uh, jobless claims have still been falling. So there's there's no indicate, you know, if you take those together, they sort of balance each other out. So no clear indication that jobs are disappearing quickly or as quickly as uh, perhaps the Fed would like. And here's the worry. Yes. Unit labour costs quarter on quarter up 6.3% yes. in Q1 from 3.3% last time. And productivity going down, a 2.7% fall in Q1. What is going on? I think you've hit the nail on the head with that one, Phil. Um, I think that's a major concern for the Fed. What mm. happens when the economy sl- as the economy slows and they've still got wage costs that are running too high? You know, we know labour demand is very strong. Even average hourly earnings, you know, you talk about unit labour costs growing at over six, and that's after productivity, um, nominal average earning, earnings uh, they were growing by six, now they're growing by four. Four is still pretty high compared with when you're trying to target inflation of 2% when productivity is going backwards. So it's not suggesting, are they low enough yet? So Fed's still got a difficult job to do, but uh, the market's convinced um, they're, 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 they're pausing now, and I, and I think that's right. But it's not all clear sailing from here. No, well, it's going to be interesting to see those average hourly earnings uh, Perhaps more interesting than the, the the top line figures itself in those uh, uh, non-farm payrolls tonight, isn't it? Uh, and uh, the Fed's Bullard is talking overnight as well about the economic outlook from, uh, let's face it, an increasingly divided Fed. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. Well, he will be. He's been one of the most hawkish. So let's see if there's any change in the tone of his language. 
Yeah, maybe not, given those numbers. Also today, uh, the RBA statement on monetary policy and home loans as well for Australia, the Caging PMI services uh, from China, obviously. And uh, I mean, we saw the manufacturing number fall into contraction territory, didn't we? I mean, very quickly, the RBA statement, just quickly before we go, is there going to be anything in that for us? No, well, we know what the inflation forecasts are feeling a little change from what they were back in February. But um, maybe so we'll no- learn a bit more about their thinking behind the uh, the rate rise. Right. Okay. Good. Alrighty. There we are. Lots going on. Uh, good to talk, uh, Dave. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Good on you, Phil. Cheers. There we are. That is Nabs, Dave DeGat. You know what? I forgot to ask him if he was going to swear allegiance to the king on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> maybe a question best not asked. That's it for today. I'm back on Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for Nab. I'll see you then. Have Enjoy the weekend. <laughs>